0: I'm glad to see you return once again to the shop. I'm Chris Baker, your shopkeeper, here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. And I know you're looking for something very specific this time on your visit to the shop. And I may have, well, maybe not exactly what you need but something close enough to what you're looking for. It's a small child's toolbox, plastic in nature, filled with all sorts of plastic tools, tools that might be used by a doll or an action figure of some sort. Now, this is quite old, well over 30 years old, quite worn, but if you look very closely emblazoned on the side of this plastic toolbox, you may be able to make out the word good guys. This is an accessory to a line of dolls that, if one Andy Barclay would have been just happy with this, his life may have turned out a little bit different. But yet, we would not get to experience the horrors of the movie franchise Child's Play. And we would also not be able to experience the terrors of a new series on sci fi. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at Chucky. Growing up through the 80s, uh, horror franchises, slasher films were what you were looking for. And the 80s had no shortage of slasher films. And you were always looking for the next cool slasher. Of course, uh, Michael Myers kind of kicked it all off. Jason, Freddy... Leatherface. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. but it was in 1988 that we got to experience a new type of slasher, uh, one not of not of the dream world, not of flesh and bone, but of plastic. And Stuffing, of course, I'm talking about the film Child's Play that came out in 1988. Starring Alex Vincent as the young Andy Barclay, his mom uh, Karen being played by Katherine Hicks, and the incomparable Brad Dourif as Charles Lee Ray slash Chucky. And I remember the first time I watched this; it was so, it was so different from all the other slashes out there. You know, Michael Myers was this guy, but he wasn't a guy. He had some supernatural elements to him, but still based in a, a physical man. Same with Jason. Jason was a guy, but but he had some supernatural elements that that kept him coming back. Freddy was a, a dream demon of sorts. Leatherface, I, I didn't know what the hell he was. Uh, that that was probably one of the the scarier uh slashers of the time for me the one of the uh, where you know some of the movies i just i i was a kid was too afraid to watch it wasn't until i was a teen that i i really kind of got to take in the texas chainsaw massacre experience but chucky was different chucky was a doll and how were they gonna make this work as something to scare me and boy did they do a good job of course child's play uh, directed by tom holland not that Tom Holland, uh, written, uh, the screenplay and the creator of of Chucky and Child's Play, Don Mancini, uh, just put together an excellent movie that really made a serial killer doll, a slasher doll work. I hear a lot of the complaints. Everybody that doesn't like the Child's Play film franchise, they kind of pull off this macho, uh, he's just a doll, I just kick him. But But really, Chucky's more than just a doll. And and they really set that up throughout the series. He's a doll, but because of this Haitian voodoo spell that transferred Charles Lee's Ray's soul into Chucky, he's a, a doll, but he has the strength of a man. Aspect to him, and that first child's play, they did a lot of POV. If I'm remembering correctly, that was kind of creepy when before we even really see Chucky come to life, and then that scene where Karen is holding Chucky and she lights the fire and she's threatening him, and and all of a sudden he jumps to life. And starts attacking her. That was one of the creepiest, freakiest scenes uh, I had seen at that time. It was just very scary. And it was a very good movie. Because you had this kid, Andy Barclay. Anytime a child is in danger. It just always kind of raises the tension. Raises the stakes. And uh, Alex Vincent, uh, as a child actor, did a great job. You really uh, sympathize with this kid. You know, he was just a sweet kid that just wanted a doll that everybody uh, wanted and, and, and all the kids had to have. It kind of played off of the Cabbage Patch craze. Uh, it played off of commercialism and the commercialism at the holidays. Maybe not a full-fledged metaphor for for that sort of thing, but it, it played in. It tied into those sort of themes. But, uh, but he just played this sweet kid and played it very well for a young actor. And you cared about this kid quickly, which, as I've always said, that really makes for a great horror film is when you care about the protagonist and and you want to see them survive you don't want to see anything bad to happen to them and to put them in harm's way when you care uh, about a character that that just raises the tension raises the stakes and first child's play was excellent second child's play came out in what was that 1990 still had alex vincent as the andy barclay character he's in a foster home his mom's gone insane from or at least put into a mental facility uh from the events of the first one we get introduced to kyle uh his foster sister, played by Christine Elise. She's been in, in so many things and always kind of plays that cynical, streetwise character. Uh, I remember uh, somebody was watching 90210 back in the day and and I said that's that's the chick from uh, Child's Play two, and then she's played similar characters. We move on to Child's Play three. They did bring in a different actor, uh, a little disappointing. But they did a, a time jump in this one because this came out just a year later in 1991, but it plays eight years later uh, for the character. So they had to go with an older uh, Justin Whalen. Played Andy. He's at military school. We get introduced to a lot of new characters, and then that's when I believe Child's Play moved to a different studio, and they couldn't use the Child's Play name, so it became all about Chucky. After that, we got Bride of Chucky, uh, Seed of Chucky. Those two movies. I I I gotta admit, when I saw the trailer for Bride of Chucky, I'm I'm like I'm out. And Child's Play three was the last Child's Play movie I watched. I didn't watch Bride of Chucky. Seed of Chucky. By the time Curse and Cult of Chucky came around, I had been totally uninvested in this franchise because Bride of Chucky and especially Seed of Chucky just came off as being very—I don't want to say jumping the shark—but Chucky. It just all became kind of hokey and jokes and dolls getting married and and having baby dolls and it just seemed kind of silly and stupid. I didn't watch Bride or to Chucky. I didn't watch Curse of Chucky or Cult of Chucky, which uh, I found out later because I've been watching that Behind the Monsters on Shudder and I watched the one on Chucky and I saw that, you know, really Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, they really took Chucky and the Child's Play franchise back to its roots. Uh, So it made me interested to watch those. As a result, I I think I am going to go back. I am going to watch Bride of Chucky, Seed to Chucky, just to give him a shot. But I am really interested in seeing Curse and Cult of Chucky because the ideas that they had, you know, bringing in Brad Dourif's daughter, uh, Fiona Dourif, to play uh, Nika Pierce, I thought is really cool. And what they did with that in the Chucky TV series is absolutely brilliant. And, and we'll kind of get into that. But that's really where we end up with the Chucky series. The beautiful thing about this whole franchise, for any of its faults, and and I do consider Bride and Seed of Chucky to be lower points on the totem. I'm going to watch them. I'm going to give them a chance. But they just seem kind of hokey to me. I don't expect much. I hope all my expectations are subverted when I watch those. Excited to watch Curse and Call to Chucky. Uh, but for all of the... The good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent of the Child's Play series. Uh, the one thing that is constant and the one thing that I really praise this franchise for is the fact that creator Don Mancini has been behind it all. So, you know, maybe there might be a, a couple weak films in the series. He's at least been at the helm and there is at least consistency throughout the series. And I think that's why the Child's Play reboot in 2019 tanked so bad is because you didn't have Don Mancini a part of this. And I think that really hurt the, the attempted reboot of this franchise that I don't feel needed rebooted because the original Child's Play is a classic. From what I understand of Curse and Call to Chucky, uh, Don Mancini is bringing the franchise back to its roots and back to what made Child's Play such a great horror franchise. The one thing I hated about the idea of the Child's Play reboot was bringing in the uh, technology and uh, cyberspace and all that stuff in with it. It just seemed hokey. It seemed like a gimmick. So I was really interested to see... When it was announced that they were going to do a Chucky TV series, I thought this is either going to totally bomb and just be, uh, you know, a definite jump of the shark, if you will, or it's going to reinvigorate this franchise. And I'm going to say right off the bat that I think it is the the latter. I think this is a a, a brilliant series because one, you're bringing back creator Don Mancini. He's a part of the production team. Uh, He's been a part of uh, doing some of the writing, some of the directing. They also brought in some other writers and and producers. Of course, uh, Nick Antosca, who wrote the short story that Antlers was based off of, which I was a huge fan of that, the short story and the movie. Uh, He's a part of the production team. So they brought in a lot of help to, to create and craft uh, a really good series, and like I said, when you've got the creator on board, being a, a, an influence in, in the creative process to make this series, that was the recipe that was needed to, to make this series work. Now, I I didn't always feel like that. Like I said, I I thought there was a real distinct possibility that when this series kicked off, that this could bomb if they didn't do Chucky right. And and based on the first episode, I had a real fear that they were going to try to make Chucky into like kind of an anti-hero. And that just bothered me because that's one of the things I hate about horror franchises uh, because so many horror franchises, it gets to the point where some audience members that I, maybe, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to be all high and mighty, but some that aren't as invested in the slasher or the franchise that that don't understand that this is supposed to be a bad guy. This is supposed to be the guy that you're afraid of. More casual fans, they gravitate to a guy like Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or Jason. And you get more casual fans that start rooting for the bad guy because that seems cool and that makes me edgy. It, It makes you lame is what it makes you. Uh, to be, to be quite frank, uh, you call that a hot take uh, or whatever the kids call it these days. But uh, that makes you kind of douchey. Uh, sorry if I'm if I'm offending you, but that's the kind of stuff that ruins horror franchises. That's why uh, everybody started rooting for Freddy Krueger, and we get Freddy Krueger in the last days of the Nightmare on Elm Street. Franchise before a new nightmare and Freddy. It's just all jokes and jokes and jokes. He's just cracking wise the whole time and nothing's scary anymore. We're just looking for gross kills and Freddy to say something clever before he kills somebody. And that's that's not horror. That's that's comedy gore, uh, if for lack of a better term, or gore comedy, or I don't know what you want to call it. Jason Voorhees, you know, was, that's a scary guy and. Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, once it, it became all about making the kills more outlandish. Now he he can't deliver lines because Jason is very silent, much like Michael Myers. But when it becomes more about oh, I want to see him do something, do something funny. I want him to to kill a guy by shoving a sharpened popsicle through his ball sack or something like that. Then that's there's nothing scary about that. If you're finding ridiculous ways to kill somebody just to do something to to make the audience laugh or just to try and do something quote-unquote different. That's not horror. It's a gimmick. That's kind of where Michael Myers has gotten to now with these reboots. Uh, you know, I really was excited to see what they were going to do with the Halloween movies. And granted, we still have one more to go with David Gordon Green. But now it's like all the kills just, let's see how ultra-violent we can make these Michael Myers kills, and and now that's the gimmick—the ultra violence of it. Whereas Michael Myers wasn't about just constantly slamming people's heads into whatever happens to be nearby—a doorpost, a door, a counter, rock, a tree. It's playing to those fans that uh, they don't want to be scared at a horror movie. They just want, uh, they just want. Cool kills because yeah, man, I'm I'm edgy. I like the bad guy, and I want to see him uh, rip somebody's spine out, like Mortal Kombat. That's to me, that's not horror. And and I think that's where a lot of franchises went wrong, as they found that there were people that loved these bad guys that didn't want them to be scary. They wanted them to be cool, and they wanted them to be funny, and they wanted them to do uh, funny, cool, clever ways to to kill people. And made it all about placating those fans and not the people that want to see something scary out of Michael Myers, Jason, Freddie, whoever. I think that's kind of what happened with the Child's Play franchise with Bride of Chucky and Seed to Chucky. Uh, and Chucky's a, a smart mouth doll. Uh, Brad Dourif plays him so sarcastic and smarmy, and uh, he does that well. And people. I guess maybe they thought people wanted to see more of that. Chucky saying silly things as he's killing somebody. And I, I think that's kind of where Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky went a little off the rails. Chucky stopped being scary and started being a stand-up comedian. I think that's where maybe, uh, I'm hoping, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, from what I understand. Like I said, I haven't watched those yet, but I'm going to. But I, I think that maybe is where they started taking it back to basics. And not so much about uh, stand-up comedian Chucky, and more about a doll that's come to life and is going to stab you uh, when you're not looking Chucky. That's scary. Jokes, that's not scary. But... I was really under uh, a little concern that that they may try to play into that with this Chucky series and make Chucky be kind of this anti-hero, this guy that's going to do cool kills. Uh, He's killing people, but he's going to only kill bullies that are bullying this main character. I was glad to see that was not the case. Uh, I'll be right up front with you. Um, That concern was assuaged. Uh, Not long into the series. Now, speaking of the main character of this story, it's this young 14-year-old, I believe, 14, 15-year-old, Jake Wheeler, played by Zachary Arthur who is this kid, you know, kind of lives on the poor side of town. His dad's a blue collar working class guy. They don't have a lot of money. Mom has been, I believe she passed away. I can't remember if they said cancer, but, uh, she's been gone for quite some time and she was an artist and the Jake character is really into art, but you know, he's, he's kind of, uh, you know, got an offbeat sense of art and uh, offbeat compared to what society thinks. Uh, He takes dolls and makes sculptures with dolls and which really kind of brings him under the scrutiny of his father and his uncle and his cousin and his aunt and other people that, that find that weird. He's under a lot of scrutiny and he's constantly being judged Uh, because of that. And right off the back, we find Jake at a yard sale where he finds a, a vintage Chucky doll. Now this all takes place in Hackensack, New Jersey, which is the uh, home of Charles Lee Ray, aka Chucky. So how Chucky got back, I'm not 100% sure. I don't think they ever really go into that, but we find Chucky back in his home and Jake buys Chucky at this at this yard sale. It doesn't take long before Chucky starts his killing spree. And really where I found that I i had some concerns about them making chucky into an anti-hero was his relationship with jake wheeler in the beginning of this series because the whole first two three episodes it really is like chucky is befriending jake he's gonna look out for him jake's got uh some some classmates who are bullies lexi played by olivia allen lind she's kind of bullying him his cousin junior wheeler played by teo brionis And you see Chucky playing up the whole, I'm going to be your friend to the end sort of thing. And I I, I was really concerned that they were going to make this. uh, Chucky teaching the bullies lessons. He may kill one or two. He may come close to it. But uh, Chucky's going to, we're going to be rooting for him because he's going to be sticking up for the underdog. And I just, there was nothing that was going to make me hate Chucky this series more than making chucky this avenging angel now that is not how they played it it, it kind of felt like at that at the beginning but like i said chucky's playing up the whole he's gonna be jake's friend to the end and it, it really turned out to be more of a grooming jake to become a serial killer like him Uh, We don't understand why, which we find out later why he's so, Chucky that is, is so adamant about getting Jake to kill one of his bullies. But Jake realizes uh, fairly soon that that's that's not him and that uh, he doesn't want to be uh, a killer like Chucky. He doesn't want to kill Lexi and that sets Chucky as an adversary to Jake and Jake is an adversary to Chucky. And Zachary Arthur plays Jake Wheeler really well. Uh, he's a young actor. He's not been in a ton of stuff, but he's been in uh, quite a few things as of late. Nothing that I've actually been uh, been able to watch or or shows that I watch, but the kid does a a good job. Um, My my only critique is he, and maybe that's the character that he's playing. He always has a a very consternated look. I said consternated, not constipated, a consternated look. Uh, He's always like tilting his head and squinting his, his eyes and and very, in very painful moments, but it just, I don't know. After a while, it started to make me chuckle every time he made that face. But, All in all, uh, he did a really good job with this. This character has a lot going on. He has a father, uh, played by Devin Sawab from Final Destination. He's done uh, tons of other things in the horror genre since then. But uh, he plays his uh, abusive, alcoholic father. who The guy loves him, but doesn't understand him. It's kind of alluded to early. That Jake may be gay. And we find out that the, the Jake Wheeler character is is a young gay man. And his father, Lucas, he loves him. He wants to support him. He doesn't understand him. And he's never really given the chance to understand him before uh, Chucky does him in. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> you're going to find that out in like the first episode. So that's not much of a spoiler, which leads Jake to go live with Lucas's twin brother, Logan, also played by Devin Sawa, the father of Junior Wheeler, and husband to Bree Wheeler, played by uh, Alexa Doig. And again, we'll get to all these other actors uh, as well, because I, I want to talk about this. this is just such a fantastic cast. But Zachary Arthur, you know, he he plays this character, this young kid who's dealing with the fact that he's, he's a closeted young gay man. He's got to play the grief of having lost his mother and her really kind of, it's insinuated that she's really the only one that has kind of understood him because his father doesn't. He has a strained relationship with his father and then has to see his father die. And he's going to live with relatives that he doesn't really like. Junior is an adversary to Jake throughout this whole series. His aunt Bree always feels kind of fake towards him. Like she puts up with him because it's his, her, her husband's nephew but uh, she doesn't like him, doesn't want him around. Logan is another one where he's kind of the father that's always pushing his son, uh, Junior, to do more, be more. He's a Junior's in track, and he's always pushing him to be this track star and kind of the, very much the alpha male pushing his kid to be the very best. And he doesn't understand uh, Jake, and he doesn't understand the artistic side of him. And Jake very much is an outsider, uh, not only in society because of the, the feelings he has, but also with the art that he tries to create and, and the fact that, you know, his, his mom's gone. He sees, you know, all these other families, his, his uncle Logan and, and Aunt Brie and Junior have this what looks to be an idyllic family. Uh, he doesn't have that. All he's had was, you know, for however many years since his mother had passed away, all he's had is him and his father. So he he very much uh, comes across as a, a kid that just feels different from everyone else and that plays a lot into I think that's really kind of symbolized in the art that he creates that people just don't understand they just don't understand his artistic inspiration and that really is kind of a physical manifestation uh, it seems of all the things he's feeling on the inside and and much like him nobody understands his art but Zachary Arthur really had a lot of weight to carry and a lot of emotional baggage to carry uh, with this character of Jake Wheeler uh, that he had to uh, express and play on the screen. A myriad of emotions, a myriad of issues that uh, this character had to carry. And, and I thought he did a really good job uh, as a young actor carrying the weight of this character. Uh, some of the other characters, of course, uh, Devin Evans, the uh, love interest uh, of Jake and classmate played by Björk van Arnason, another young actor who did an outstanding job. I don't think they utilized him as an actor as well as I kind of hoped. I wanted to see more from this character but he plays uh, a podcaster. That's the thing these days, uh, kids being podcasters. We saw it in Ghostbusters Afterlife, and uh, he's a podcaster, kind of does this true crime type podcast, really end of investigation and that sort of thing. He befriends Jake, and then of course they enter into a romantic relationship. Uh, I-, I thought it was interesting. They played really well to the awkwardness of romance at that age of 14 15 years old and those kind of awkward kisses with uh with your uh, girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever, uh, it just kind of really came through in in their portrayal. And whether it was just happenstance or if it was planned that way, uh, I I don't know. But it just played really well, and it played to that to that innocence and that awkwardness of that age when romance is involved. Now we kind of talked about these two other characters, Lexi and Junior, but they are in a relationship at least for the for the most part of this uh, series. Olivia Allen-Lind and Teo Brionis, both really good actors. Olivia Allen-Lind is a a fine young actress. She really plays a bully well, kind of when she has a bit of a character turn. She plays, you know, she plays a good guy well. She's just a a really, I would like the range of her acting in this for such a young actress. I thought she did really well. Teo Brionis, another actor who um, I, I didn't get to see much. Uh, or as much out of him as I wanted to. His character didn't have much dimension to it a- until the very end. And, and then we kind of get to see what he's made of. The Junior character. What Junior's made of. And then later in the series, we really get some cool scenes with a couple actors from from the series. Uh, that's what I loved about this. is They, they played it as if Child's Play through... Cult of Chucky are all still a part of the story. There's no rebooting this. This is a a very consistent franchise and everything was up for grabs and you did get a lot of callbacks to the previous movies and no bigger callbacks than Jennifer Tilly playing Tiffany Valentine, uh, Chucky's lover and partner in crime. Uh, You also get Fiona Durif playing uh, Nika Pierce uh, reprising her role from uh, Cult of Chucky, and and of course, Curse of Chucky prior to that. But one of the really cool things they did is they did some flashbacks back to when, you know, Chucky was just a little kid, when he first became a serial killer. We get to see Chucky through the ages. Uh, but one of the cool things they did when they got it close to the time of Child's Play, 1988, they, with a little bit of uh, wig work, uh, a little bit of prosthetics, and some overdubbing of voices, they transformed Fiona Durf into her fa- a younger version of her father and a younger version of Charles Lee Ray and did some flashbacks with that. They had a younger actress playing a, a younger version of Tiffany Valentine and, of course, had Jennifer Tilly overdub the voices on that. And they did it well enough. I mean, the the voices do seem a little off, but, uh, but they really don't... Focus too much on the mouths of the actors when they're doing these voiceovers so it, it, it really is played very well and it, it really is believable they really pulled it off and, and i was quite intrigued by this whole idea of Uh, Fiona Durf playing a younger version of her father, which I thought was really cool and made for some interesting flashback scenes. And one of the cool things, uh, they brought back Alex Vincent, who plays Andy Barclay from the the first couple child plays and of course ended up, uh, showed up in Cult of Chucky. I can't remember if he was in Curse of Chucky or not, but but he returns as well as Christine Elise, who plays Kyle from uh, Child's Play 2 and then she uh, showed up at the end of Cult of Chucky. Uh, they're back, and they're Chucky hunters, and uh, it was just a really nice way uh, to help with with those last four characters tie in the other movies into this Chucky franchise or this Chucky uh, TV series. Now, I'm not going to go uh, episode by episode and just recite the plot <laughs> of this whole series. I, if you haven't watched it, I want you to go watch it. If you have watched it, we're still going to talk about some of the things that that uh, I really enjoyed about the series and hopefully you enjoyed as well. But uh, some of the things I thought were really cool Uh, about this is this series was really kind of, I don't want to say it was a slow burn because it really started off. I mean, you got kills right away. Uh, Chucky uh, was in rare form when it came to the kill count in the very last episode. At the very end, uh, he even spells out the kill count for us. But, But as far as each episode, just snowballed. And it things just got bigger. The stakes just got bigger. The story just got bigger. The characters just got bigger. It, it was one of those series where, you know, just when you thought, uh, this is this is getting crazy. And not in a bad way, not in a Bride of Chucky, see to Chucky way, but in a way that made me wonder, oh my God, where where is this going? What is the end game of this? Especially when they brought in the uh, Tiffany and the Nika characters, when they brought in Andy and Kyle. Uh, it just felt like this story just got bigger. It's not even just about these kids anymore. It's about these other characters that are so integral to the Chucky-verse. And there's so many callbacks to to the various movies uh, done really well. I mean, it's not just like name dropping. It ties into the story. I, I love this one scene about Chucky's sitting there talking about all the things that are like his Achilles heel, guns are his Achilles heel, uh, because he got shot up in the first one. And he starts talking about uh, all the other things, industrial fans, and all the other ways he was killed in all the other movies, and uh, those are all his Achilles heel as well. Now, this may be a little bit spoilery, but the end game of this series really ties into the cult of Chucky, because we get to see what Andy and Kyle have been doing, hunting down these Chucky dolls. They, of course, we find out in call to chucky that chucky can splinter his soul into different dolls and they've been hunting down all these different chucky dolls and chucky's master plan is really to take what he was doing in call to chucky where he had these i can't remember there were like three four different chuckies to take that to the next level he's having all these good guy dolls shipped to where Tiffany is staying. And it all ties into the reason why he's trying to get somebody to kill for him an innocent to kill for him. First, it was Jake trying to get him to kill Lexi. He tried to get Lexi to kill Jake. Then he was trying to get Junior to kill somebody. And there's a reason for that. And it ties in to Chucky's master plan. And I know some people don't like it. They don't like when black magic is brought in. They feel like that's cheap, a cheap explanation for for things. Uh, I was listening to one podcast talking about a Stephen King uh, short story, and they were upset that he used uh, black magic. This character used black magic to get a girl to like him. That uh, short story from Stephen King, I Know What You Need. And they were like, why couldn't he just be a stalker? Why couldn't he just be a stalker? Why do they have to bring Black Magic into it? Uh, well, you know, if you want just a, a stalker, then go watch the Lifetime original movie of the week and you'll get all the stalkers you want. But it's Stephen King and you got to have some supernatural element to it. And in this, you know, in this story's case, uh, Black Magic was the was the supernatural element of the day. In Child's Play, it doesn't bother me that uh, how do you get Charles Lee Ray's soul into a good guy doll? Well, of course, Haitian voodoo spell. And they play into a lot of the the voodoo elements that Child's Play has been all about. We get references to the Damballa voodoo god that has been, been used uh, throughout the child's play series. And again, spoiler, uh, Chucky's looking to have an army of Chuckys at his at his command. And I have to say, the eighth episode, the finale to this season, An Affair to Dismember, was really everything you would want in a Chucky TV series finale. You had an army of good guy dolls, you had Chucky being Chucky. Uh, you had Chucky die. I, I felt that Chucky's death in this was a little lackluster. I, I was hoping for a little more out of it. The final showdown between Jake and Chucky. But I, I wasn't disappointed because there were so many other big things going on. Tons of deaths. Tons of carnage. We think Andy is going to get away with the the army of Chucky's. And who do we find? We don't find uh, necessarily Tiffany Valentine, but we find the doll version of Tiffany. Uh, has hijacked Andy and this truck full of Chucky dolls so it was just it was such a wonderful wild and crazy ride that you would expect from Chucky and and it was very much like Lord of the Rings Return of the King there was about 15 endings to that which I for one didn't mind uh, because I wanted that story to keep going I didn't want it to end so I didn't mind the 15 endings Uh, That was the same way with this. They did multiple endings to this show. And it's just like, as soon as we think, okay, this is it, there's another ending. And and it all culminated with Chucky sitting in this easy chair. I think he's got a smoker's jacket on uh, next to a fireplace. And he counts all of his kills. So you know that uh, the Chucky TV series delivered in the death and dismemberment department. And it was also a way to say, hey, you know what? chucky's going to be back and sci-fi announced just before the season finale released that uh, chucky was greenlit for a second season so we've got a lot to look forward to in season two of chucky because uh, one of the endings showed a black gloved hand uh hitting it touching a tree i can't remember what he was watching uh but uh but who is this black gloved character uh I, hopefully it's hopefully it pans out better than the Man in Black in the Halloween series, but uh, but I think I think Don Mancini and I think the group that they have putting together this series has got it well under control. I, I mean, it could be it could be a lot of characters. I mean, there's some characters from the old series. Uh, Karen, Andy's mom could be her. I don't think we ever knew what happened to the Ronald Tyler character from Child's Play 3. Could be that character. Could be Jesse or Jade from uh, Bride of Chucky. Who knows? Who knows who this black-gloved character is? But uh, but I'm excited to see who, who this is because I'm pretty certain it's going to be a, a face from the past of the Child's Play Chucky series. And it, it should be pretty interesting. Plus, we've got this truckload of Chucky dolls that all have Chucky's, a uh, little piece of Chucky's soul in them because he splintered it off. What's the Tiffany doll gonna make Andy do? We've gotta understand that Andy's gonna survive, uh, hopefully, be a bigger role. In the the second season of Child's Play, the Jennifer Tilly version of Tiffany's still alive and well. Nika, uh, she's still alive, but there's a little bit less of her than there was before. Uh, You're going to have to watch one of the endings for that, but uh, uh, pretty disturbing and and gruesome what happened to her without even really seeing what happened to her we just see the results and it's it's still pretty disturbing but that was what I really loved about this series is that it paid homage and paid respect to the the previous films by making a lot of callbacks to it but they didn't retell any of the old stories. I mean, you had elements of the old stories. Uh, Call to Chucky was very much at play. Bride of Chucky, very much at play. Curse of Chucky, Child's Play 1 and 2, very much at play. But it didn't feel like any of the stories were being rehashed. It felt like something new. It felt like they were doing something different. While still, like I said, giving you those callbacks to those other movies. And really laying the groundwork for for more to come, which I, I think is is always fun because you know a series like this can can get stale really quick. I think if you're not afraid to you know think outside the box and do new and different things, and I think just from this first season, they showed that you know they're they're willing to try different things while still you know still leaning on the history. But uh, I'm, I'm expecting them to take that up a notch. I'm expecting uh, new things to come in the future with Chucky. So that, that's really exciting. And you've got a rock star cast. You've got some of the old familiar faces from this franchise. I really think sky's the limit for the Chucky franchise uh, as, it, as it moves forward as a TV series. And I really I haven't said much about him. But Brad Dourif as the voice of Chucky is, is a rock star. He just brings this doll to life in a way that very few could because he's funny and he's sarcastic and he has the quick quips. But there's a sinisterness about it that he's making jokes, but it's not its not like Freddy. Welcome to primetime, bitch, as he throws a girl's head through a TV screen. It's not corny jokes. There's a sinisterness to his delivery and he did such a great job. He does such a great job with Chucky. Uh, It was really great to see him back. And and speaking of Chucky, I was so happy to see that they really kept up the tradition of using a lot of practical dolls and puppets and, and animatronics to bring Chucky to the screen. Because in this day and age, it'd be really easy to just do a bunch of CG Chuckies. And they stayed away from that as much as possible. I'm not saying they didn't use any CG, but they really took great pains to, to use practical when and where they could. And, and they did a lot. I mean, uh, as far as I could tell, most all of it was practical. Almost all of it was puppetry and animatronics and and that really, to me, adds to the production value. It, it adds to the weight of the character that you can't get that with CG, uh, or very rarely can you get that with CG. And it just it made Chucky feel like real. It made Chucky feel more menacing, uh, knowing that you had this this physical, tangible uh, thing to interact with in, in front of these actors. And I think it made you know their work, it, it amped that up. They weren't just talking to a, a tennis ball uh, hanging from a string somewhere. So I, I really thought it was a very smart thing to do. And like I said, uh, this is the legacy of Chucky. They've done this throughout the franchise is using practicals and puppetry and, and things of that nature. So it, it really is just continuing continuing the great legacy of probably one of the more uh, underrated movie franchises. Like I said, I haven't seen some of the later ones, but really the the first half of the franchise uh, speaks for itself. And from what I understand of the the last little bit of the franchise, uh, they really, you know, Don Mancini being at the helm of all this as the creator of of the story. I think there's a quality there, a quality control valve that really makes this uh, franchise one of the more consistent franchises in in horror and in slasher films. And you gotta chalk it up to, to him, Don Mancini, uh, for being a part of this. And one of the shows I was so excited to check out. I was so worried that it could be done wrong and so elated to see that they did the Chucky TV series right. And I'm looking forward to uh, more seasons to come. We're at least going to get one more season. But if they keep up this quality, I think we're going to see plenty more seasons to come. Now, one of the things I I really found interesting about this series is that uh, there were a lot of themes going on here. This wasn't just uh, a horror film or a horror TV series. I mean, you certainly got plenty of that. You got plenty of horror. There were some scary scenes, uh, you know, when... Chucky's lurking about and you can't see him. And you've got this little thing that could hide in any nook and cranny ready to spring out and stab you. I mean, that's scary stuff. That adds tension. But I found it was very... Well done to see Don Mancini really added a lot of themes to this. I mean, of course, you had the the sexuality aspect of it with Jake and Devin being two young gay teens essentially coming out and, and starting a relationship together. And all the fallout that can come from that sort of thing. You also saw a lot of play from the bullying aspect. You know, you had the Jake character not only being bullied by Lexi, uh, but being bullied by his father, being bullied by his cousin, being bullied by Chucky and all these characters trying to manipulate him uh, by bullying him and and make him into something he's not and it really also delved into a lot of themes of alienation and how kids these days or, or kids of any generation any era can feel alienated by the people around them by the circumstances around them by alienating yourself. And I think there's a, there's a lot of metaphor to unpack here. If, if that's your thing, if you like to, to look into that sort of stuff and, and that gives you some enjoyment is to, to pick apart and psychoanalyze a show or a movie, this show, Chucky, the the TV series is going to give you a lot to unpack. So all in all I really loved Chucky season 1. I encourage if if you haven't watched this really you need to check it out because it uh, it continued the franchise uh, it's I think like I said earlier in, in this episode, I think this is going to reinvigorate the franchise. It's gonna bring Chucky back to the forefront in popular culture and it's gonna be uh, a wild ride to see where this franchise goes from here. And if the rest of the series is going to be anything like the first season, uh, we got a lot of good things to come in in terms of horror. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. A good horror series on TV. Uh, we need something like that. And excited for more from Chucky. So I want to thank everyone for uh, checking out our podcast on uh, Chucky Seasons Recap. Uh, this was actually going to be on December the 13th episode, but we had to kind of switch some things around. I wanted to do a episode on Silent Night, which uh, came out in movie theaters, uh, you know, over the weekend but uh, unfortunately my local movie theater is not showing that movie Uh, although I I think it may lend itself more to just dark comedy than horror so maybe it's maybe it's appropriate that we're not talking about it but I'm really excited to see the movie regardless so uh, we decided to do the uh, the Chucky season recap now Uh, coming up on Thursday the 9th we're going to do Christmas oddities some of my favorite things to watch uh, for Christmas Christmas related movies Uh, as it pertains to horror fantasy and sci-fi some some tv episodes of the same so we'll talk about that coming up on thursday and then monday the 13th uh we're gonna find some things i don't know we may bump up the lost in space season three recap to monday i'm not quite sure but uh, we'll get you a, an updated schedule of episodes to come throughout the month of December, very soon, so we can keep uh, keep that all straight and, and figured out. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in, and please check out our Facebook fan page, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop, for the list of uh, scheduled episodes. Also, finding interesting articles uh, about horror, fantasy, and sci-fi from all over the internet, kind of sharing them there, and we're always checking out the latest trailers and videos that pertain to the the genres that we love. So check that out, Odds Bodkins on Facebook. And uh, please leave a review uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, podcast.com, whatever platform, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. And uh, I want to thank you for whatever review you leave us. We do appreciate it. So until next time.